Welcome to Thought Session. I'm Eric, and joining me on this episode is Hua Okamoya, a media producer from Nigeria, West Africa. Hua is a talented spoken word artist who's performed on stages in Benin City, Lagos, Nigeria, and many others. Her works have been featured in jingles, short films, and documentaries. She's also the creator and the producer of the Spoken World Podcast, which is a media platform that allows spoken word artists from all over the world to share their journeys, their stories, and their art. Please welcome Hua to the show. Hello, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. That was quite the introduction. I was already like feeling like I'm such a superstar. Thank you. You are in my world because anyone that's willing to share that light by definition, is a star, okay? So I appreciate you spending a few minutes to, to talk to us today. I, I had a chance to preview some of the episodes on your podcast, and I'm just dying to talk to you about that and see how you got started. But first off, what part of Nigeria did you grow up in, and what was that like? I grew up in Lagos, Lagos, Nigeria. It's basically the most populated state in Nigeria. I kind of think of it as the New York in the States, in the United States. It's basically a melting pot. So this is if the state that we call the happening state where things happen. So creatives, people who have dreams come down to Lagos just trying to like achieve them. Lagos is basically home to me, even though I was born from two different tribes. So my dad is from Edo State and my mom is a Kwaibom. Both of them are from the southern part, part of Nigeria, two different tribes, cultures, languages. Yeah, so I, I think that's about it. Uh, pretty exciting uh, life, basically, where I grew up in Lagos. I schooled in Benido. That was where you, you basically talked about in my intro. That was where I went to school. I studied chemical engineering over there. And that was when I met creatives like myself. And then I started, you know, doing the Lord's work. That's awesome. The New York City of Nigeria. That, that gives me a great perspective. So now I, I read in your bio, um, you actually started out as a chemical engineer, correct? A chemical engineering student, basically. I've, I've already graduated from school anyway, so I have a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering. Yeah. So I guess that answers your question. Right. So, so at what point did you realize that, hey, um, a more of a creative person and you wanted to give that a go as opposed to the engineering path? Well, uh, I guess engineering is still sort of creative if you think about it. But what really made me sort of like go into writing more or less, um, I didn't really like poetry so much, was that I got frustrated with the system. I got frustrated with the educational system, uh, basically. I was always really good at the sciences and math, but even though I start to hear that it's not just in Nigeria, but other parts of the world where people get frustrated with the educational system, that was what it was like for me. So I started off wanted to change the world. I'm using air quotes right now. And by the time I got into school, I realized with the way things were going, 
pretty much planned. So there, there wasn't a lot of room for me to be creative, I guess. It was more about they were feeding, all, feeding us certain information that we would have to regurgitate during exams. And that was frustrating for me. And you can imagine going through all this in a country where you have very limited resources. So there's poor power supply. Because there's poor power supply, we didn't have water. It was really difficult to get things done. So I don't know, depression, frustration, all of just that, a lot of that just started to settle in during my second year, actually. So it was when I went for this play, I usually don't go out, kind of like a hermit in, in some sense. I only go out when it's time to go to class or maybe church. But on this day, I was, it's just one of those days where I was just feeling sorry for myself. And my friend came in and said, we should go see a play. And at first I said, no because you know the kind of person I am but I was like why am I making myself you know feel more miserable and besides who knows there might be cute guys so I said okay let's go see the play my potential husband might be there so we went to see the play I didn't find my potential husband which was you know sad but I did watch someone perform um first and I actually heard a spoken word piece performance um, um a spoken word poet perform on stage and to me, when I, when I watched that happened, it happen, it was like the play itself was a sideshow because it was quite boring. But his particular piece was what sort of like inspired me at that moment. I can still remember the name of the piece was, was um, Abike. And I, like, I, asked, I asked my friend, I was like, what's that? She was like, oh, it's spoken word. I'm like, what? And she said, and she just acted like it was something that, oh, you don't know about it. People do it a lot in, in church. I'm Catholic, so we don't really do a lot of extra stuff in church. So I was like, okay, I've got to follow you all to all these programs right now to see the different spoken word artists. I went home, I wrote a couple pieces. They were horrible. Now I just go there if I want to cringe or just, you know, feel, feel sorry for myself. But with a lot more practice, I was doing it out because I was enjoying myself. I was just, you know, writing stuff. And then I, I got introduced to Sully Briggs, Prince E.A., Sophia Thakora, and all the other spoken word artists. And I just like became basically obsessed with that space. And that was when I started writing and I would force my friends, whoever, um, was around whether or not they wanted to hear I would start to read certain spoken word pieces to them and they would just because it, they couldn't say no because I would read it either way so they would just say oh no, no yeah it's fine it's fine just to get me off their their back so uh it was it was basically practice anyway I got better and uh yeah that's basically how I broke into writing and it did help me cope it helped me cope even as, as well as the podcast did when I was able to find other videographers who were willing to create short films and then use spoken word to tell that story. It helped me cope with school up until I, I graduated this year. You know, I, I, I love that you shared that. And, you know, one of the pieces, and I want to get into your podcast a, a little bit further in the segment, but one of your pieces, the intro is talking about how we, there aren't that many differences between us, essentially, right? We have so much in common. And just listening to you share that, I, I laugh because of how many people I know and, and how much I've gone through kind of that similar thought path, if you will. What did you write about in the beginning when you first started doing spoken word? Oh, I wrote about how sad I was. Hold on, hold on. Just let me see if I can find, because I still have it. I still have okay. the first poem book. The book has basically seen better days. 
uh, <laughs> because if you could see it right now, you would cry. Uh, so there's just like a lot of stuff in between. Anyway, so the first one was written with a pencil. I had no idea why it was written with a pencil and had a sort of like cursive writing. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so we're about to cringe. So everyone just, you know, prepare yourselves. Hang on to your seats. This one has no name. I don't know why. This is the first ever poem anyway. I feel lost, angry, dead. Don't know if I'm confused, hurt, or scared. Sorting emotion should be my thing. Now more than ever, I can't figure out this sting. I want to be happy always, but not too happy. There should be a limit to everything. I get enough happiness just being alone. But that's not true happiness. I hear people condone. So what if I'm alone? I'm alone and happy, a lot better than those who would be deceived and moody. What is true happiness? I wish I knew. Going by my experience, I can't get happy if I keep letting people tell me what to do. So yeah, that's a very sad uh, and bad poem. <laughs> so that you know what? So, so here's the thing. There is nothing sad about that because the path to fulfillment, enlightenment, happy, joy, or whatever, you know, utopia you want to put at your finish line, right? Or your next milestone, mm -hmm. all starts with assessment, right? And being able to know, hey, either something's not right or something can be improved, right? And mm -hmm. to be able to assess yourself, because depression is a real thing. We don't talk about that enough, uh, you know, and, and to know that you're not in the space you want to be in, there's a level of awareness that you have to obtain to be able to go through that process. So I commend you for that and being able to write about it because I know there are a lot of lives you can begin to save just by having something out there and portraying um, the courage to even speak out about it. So other people can say, Hey, look, you know, I'm kind of feeling like that, but that doesn't mean that that's the end of the world. You know, this person took that feeling, that set of emotions, and they turned it into something positive, right? People watch mm -hmm. you in the shadows, man. <laughs> they, and you never know. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody just share their story, and it took me to another place. So there is, to me, I think that's the coolest, realest, rawest, unfiltered, piece that you're probably going to find in your collection one day once you get that Nobel Prize for for literature and spoken word. I, I, I don't know um, if, if we do have that, but something just happened, which was, I can't remember if it was last week or last three weeks. In America's Got Talent, uh, the winner for, for the latest one, which was this year, was a spoken word poet, and he was the first ever poet to, to come on the show. See, there you go. It, it, it is what it is. And I think... Mm -hmm. There are so many eyes on, on the things that are going on in the community right now, you know, and people are actually using their voices and their art to speak against it. And they're not as fearful as they have been in the past. And, and that is part of the movement that I am seeing, at least in the U.S. And, and that's, to be quite frank, is one of the reasons why, you know, I started Thought Session because, you know, I got tired of being trapped in this cage of, you know, conforming to silence. And, and I think silence is worse than the violence. It's part of the problem. It is never part of the solution. So anyone that will take a pen and turn into a microphone and create a platform, I, I commend you. Um, it, it's such a beautiful thing. How did you get your podcast started, by the way? Okay, so that that is a good question. So 
I was working with friends to create short videos and then I got um, invited to perform somewhere in Lagos. That was like the first time that I was invited to travel from Benin to Lagos to go and perform. So me and him, we were meant to work on other um, projects, but then I had to go do my internship because I was studying chemical engineering and where I was going to do my internship was at um, SPDC Shell. So I was going to be working on an oil and gas plant and you know it was definitely far away from him and what he was doing and then he also started having you know other gigs and stuff trying to build himself up as a videographer cinematographer so it was getting hard to work as partners since he was doing his own thing with videography we still came together once in a while to make some really short short um, films if he needed someone to either voice or write for him so while I was at that terminal doing my, my internship, I, I got gifted a mic, a USB plug-in microphone. And what happened was I was thinking of how to, <laughs> I was thinking of how I could create a blog that was for audio. I had no idea there was anything called podcast at that time. This was back in 2018, especially in Nigeria, there was nothing like that. So I just Googled audio blogs or something like that. And then I saw podcast and then I was like, oh, this is so cool. I used to edit the spoken word pieces that I sent out to friends. So, you know, maybe I could edit a podcast. So the name The Spoken World was meant to express or share with people the, the journey that I went through to write my piece. Because I wrote a, a couple of pieces then. One of my favorite that I wrote was called Please Stay, which was um, the story between a father and his son, basically a journey of um, forgiveness. And I remember a lot of people, after performing it on stage, it was one of the first people where I didn't get an immediate reaction because it was a really sad story. So people would come back to start, hey, um, what, I want to know exactly what your process was like. What, what did you do? Um, did you meet someone? Is it someone else's story? Is it your story? So I said, why don't I create a podcast where I talk about my spoken word pieces? It was just for fun, right? And it was going to help me with my editing skills. But after creating the first two episodes that I did with my friends, someone in Ireland reached out to me on Twitter where I had released the, I had, you know, sort of like gone there to, to push or market the episode. And he reached out to me and said he would like to be my first guest. And I was like, that's interesting. I mean, he's in Ireland. And then it was like, you know, that light bulb that sort of like pops on your head. Why don't I see if I can get other spoken word artists from different parts of the world as well? So I go to Instagram and Twitter. I start to send DMs asking people about, you know, at that point I had already published two episodes. So I started like sending DMs, going to spoken word artists. Then there weren't so many um, on Instagram. So I reached out to them, you know, of course some people were pretty excited when I told them, you know, if they were in the US or the UK and I told them that I was, you know, from, from West Africa, Nigeria. And they were like, oh my gosh, you saw my stuff. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I want to come on too. And then listening to their spoken word pieces, that was when I came up with this line, uh, spoken word is truth from broken pieces of our hearts that bleed from our pen to paper. And then by the time you listen to everyone's story from different parts of the world, we, we realize that we're not as different as we like to think that we are. So building on the backs of that, um, getting more spoken word artists to the show, um, I started to, you know, create a sort of community and then, you know, and then I then created a different identity for the spoken world. And then it was just on one of these, my crazy moments where I was like, I need to get a logo, 
right? And then I just started DMing and emailing graphic designers. I had no money to pay anybody. I don't even know why I decided to do that. But I was like, at least let me just get like a price range, right? Let me just reach out and see. So by the time some people just started telling me, eh, so it's going to be like $200 or 150 pounds. <laughs> my man, I was like, who sent me? But then I, I, I emailed this person, William Rutherford um, in the UK. And he, when he asked me, and I told him that all I had actually was just $50, which I won't even be able to pay him until the end of the year. He just says, why don't I do it for you for free? And I was like, what? And that was how I got my first logo. And it sort of inspired me to continue to reach out to people, right? He was really happy to do it. So he did the logo. We became sort of friends. I reached out to more people. Um, by the time I was done with season one, I had already learned so much that by season two, I started reaching out to authors, right? So I reaching out to authors. I started doing free book giveaways. So, you know, I was surprised that authors were willing to send down their books from, from where they were in the, in the UK or in the US down to Nigeria so that we could give them out to, to listeners as a way to promote their books. By season three, I started interviewing authors who had had their books adapted to movies. So yeah, I started interviewing them as well. Jojo Rabbit, Berlin Syndrome, The Informer, some pretty good movies and then getting to interview them as well. My most recent project is doing a virtual open mic, interviewing spoken word artists from different parts of the world that get to share, you know, their spoken word pieces with certain themes. And then the first I did was actually pretty, was actually pretty cool. I didn't expect so many people to actually join in, but it was really nice that I decided to create another. So uh, I, I guess that answers your question and a couple more, I presume. It's always interesting to see how many hats you have to, to, to wear when you're trying to launch a new project. It sounds like you've mastered the art of using social media to reach out to people. And, and I love, wow. I love uh, that. I, I just said I was pretty resourceful. And it's not like I did it single-handedly. At some point, I did have a team. Though, because of where I'm from, we can't monetize our podcasts. So the first time we were actually able to be paid was when we got Jason David Frank, who was the Green Ranger and the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers then in that um, TV show. So he loved what we were doing. He came on the show because he had written some pieces and then he donated some, some money to us. So that I was able to split with myself and the rest of my team. But at the end of the day, like everyone had their own project to do. And it, now it's just me and my co-host, Daisy. Once in a while, I invite other friends to come on the show as well, just to give a Nigerian perspective. Just like when we had a particular topic that was talking about rape and rape culture. So we, I, I listened to the author tell his stories. And then I had like a sort of um, roundtable discussion with uh, Nigerians just to sort of compare and contrast their experiences, both outside the country and, you know, in Nigeria then again, to say that we're not so different in the experiences that we go through, but to also look at the differences in between. Yeah. Yeah. I had a team, I had a social media marketer, an assistant, a publicist, a writer. Yeah. So how did you get so many artists from all over the globe to participate? Because I was listening to people from Texas, the UK, you know, all over the States. I've seen a clip on, on your LinkedIn feed. I mean, these folks have just gravitated to this platform. Like, man, this is the place to be. 
So I reached out a lot. So I was sending, at, at first I was the one doing the reaching out, but recently I've, I found that I, I no longer have to do that. So at first I would reach out to about 10, 20 people on Instagram. Those that have emails, business prof, a, a business profile, I would send cold emails to. So I would send a whole lot. I remember like 20, 30, maybe a day right? And let's say about 10 people or 20 people get back to me, but only 10 or five people are actually able to do the interview. And out of those 10 or five people, there are only five people who, you know, we did, I didn't have any issues while recording because of the internet connection based on the fact that we are opposite. I mean, then anyway, before Zoom became this good and, you know, we were able to actually get a proper connection. So, after that, after bringing the, the, the show up to the point where even on Instagram, you know, my followers kind of started going on their own. I'm really bad at social media, actually. I'm not social media friendly. I know a couple of people that would have had like thousands of followers right now. But anyway, so when people now started reaching out to me to be like, hey, I want to be on your show and publishers started reaching out to me themselves saying that they had authors that would want that they would like to, to come on to the show. I had to reach out to publicists and publishers at a point and then reach, reach out to agents. And then they, after doing a couple of interviews, they reach out to me or other um, publishers who, you know, friend of friends who have heard that I host literary artists start to reach out to me themselves. So I'm, I'm actually not sure at one point that I realized that I had, you know, a sort of mix of different people. But I do remember that it was, it was the day when I got an Instagram message from, from Jason David Frank, who, like I told you, was the Green Ranger, who said he wanted to be on the show on Instagram. And then um, the publicist for J.D. Shapiro, who had worked closely with uh, Stan Lee before he passed on creating comic books, I think, when she reached out to me at that point. That was when I was like, okay, we've gone to that point where I don't really need to reach out to people and people know enough about the podcast and myself to sort of like know where they are meant to go to if they wanted to market any piece of writing. You know, we talked uh, a little bit as we were preparing for the segment about some of the other things that are going on um, as far as uh, in the society there in Nigeria. Are you planning at any point to use your platform to address any of the things such as the police brutality or some of the other social issues that are going on right now? Okay, so... I use my platform personally, that's not the podcast in this case, to um, create awareness because I'm a spoken word artist. The first time that this had happened, which, which was like less than or about 10 days ago. So police brutality is something that has been happening and going on in Nigeria for a long time. We've heard about it even when we were, you know, children to be careful with the police because they could easily pick up anyone and put them in jail and you won't be able to reach out to a lawyer and you could be there being accused for something you never did for a lifetime. So recently or a couple years back, they had started targeting creatives, right? Because of how the system is, it doesn't exactly promise a path or a successful path for most Nigerian youths. So you meet a young person who is already just like me, frustrated with the educational system, because I already knew that 
at the end of the day, even after I have worked so hard with all of the limitations to get out of school, I might not be able to, you know, reap what I sowed or something of, of, of that nature, if, for, for lack of a better reference. So a lot of us became entrepreneurs, right? I mentioned the videographer. I mentioned myself being a writer. I'm actually a professional voiceover artist. I work for agencies, mostly outside of the country. So I read scripts. I'm a narrator. I'm a voice actor. I have my own studio setup where I am. And then I started podcasting. You know, I have people who draw their artists, dancers. So people have, have started making lives, you know, outside of whatever structure that the government had put in place because we realized that we can't really get much from this. So there are tech experts, designers, makeup artists, wedding planners who are traveling outside of the country just to get, you know, their, 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 their art out, even cake designers. So the police use this and say, well, the system isn't supposed to make you this rich. The only way that you're getting your money is that you're stealing it, right? So you look at young entrepreneurs who have, who dress nice, who have expensive phones, and then they use that to brutalize people. And, you know, it's just not right. It, it happened, it, it, it had been happening for a long time. This is a rogue police unit, basically. They don't even wear the proper uniform. So you're not even sure, are they armed robbers or are they police officers? So basically that's something that a lot of the young people had to face. Just recently, which was the, the, the spark that started the movement, someone was thrown out of a moving car from a SARS vehicle. So the hashtag that we're using is NSARS. It's to point to that rogue unit. SARS is um, Special Anti-Robbery Squad. They are the people that have been coming after the youth. So when that happened, it sort of sparks the movement. The young people were done. We are done with bad governors. We're done with police brutality. We are done with the bad structure because Nigeria isn't even supposed to be the way it is right now. We have so much talent, but like whenever we talk about people outside the country, we're like, they don't rate us because they don't even know what we can do because of the bad governance. And it has gone on for too long. So when the movement first started, I had to pause production of the podcast, mostly because I was really busy protesting online and trying to get the word. So I, I couldn't publish any episode on the spoken world. The last episode that I posted up was for Independence Day, which was October 4th. Kind of ironic, you know, we just celebrated Independence Day and now there's a whole ass movement nationwide. We've been able to get people from different parts of the world to sort of like hear our story. Uh, Jack, who is the creator of Twitter, gave us an icon. I supported the movement as well. So, and you know, he's, he's also been like trying to share the links where people can donate and sort of like help the protesters. So now I'm actually thinking of a way that I could use my talent. I'm not, I, I, I couldn't exactly find out a way to use the platform itself. That's the podcast itself to sort of like drive that message to tell people about it. So I'm just using like social media, using the page itself to sort of like spread awareness. Is the concept of free speech prevalent in Nigeria as much as we think it is here, like in the United States, for example? It should be. It should be. But the government is trying to take that away from us. We've been, you know, getting threats or people, they are like basically threatening to take away our social media you know, starting a, a sort of hate speech 
bill that could you know come out soon and we're trying our best to fight that because without our social media without our voice we're no longer in a democracy it's just now that I, that we sort of realized that for a long time we've been afraid to speak because we we kind of feared that the government was going to shut us down yes yeah, so it's just recently that we are saying whatever we're, we're just going to have to talk and we're going to have to straighten this out so um unlike the u.s I, I don't really think they grant us that privilege. <laughs> I don't want to say that privilege is supposed to be our fundamental human rights, but we don't have it as much as you know people in the U.S. do to go. But we we are going out to protest. We are going out to voice out our demands and tell the public that this is what we want. We are being able to you know call out to influencers, celebrities who at some point had used us for their aesthetics you know, to, to sort of like, because if, if you're going to use Nigeria for, for our music, for our poetry and our culture, one thing that we do, we, we do rate or we, we do take in high regard is everyone uses Fela, right? He's the king of Afrobeats. One of the reasons why he is, is because he was an activist. Our art definitely tells our story, right? So does our culture. You know, our names, it, you don't just sing a song that doesn't have meaning. It's even in our name, right? We, we always say that our names are definitely something that defines us, right? My full name, um, first name is Egbe Hua, which means my people make me stronger. And when we, we, we start to look at a different art and a different culture, if you're going to use that, you're going to have to take it 100%. You cannot use our culture when it is convenient for you. And at the time when the country is bleeding or on fire, you choose to say mute. Like, to me, that's just not fair. Maybe so, we don't have as much freedom of speech as everybody else, but you do. And you are choosing to not use your voice and only come to meet us when, you know, it's cool to talk about jollof rice or different dance steps, or you want to use our culture in your music video. So at the end of the day, we start to find out that people don't exactly value our culture as much as we thought that they did. You know, there's freedom of speech, and then that's what people do with that freedom. I appreciate this conversation because we get so caught up sometimes in what's going on in our space that we don't realize that this may be going on on other parts of the globe as well. I think people are gonna be writing about you at some point and, and I appreciate you using your platform to do what you do and to allow other artists to feel free enough to come in and, and, and share their thoughts and journeys, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's what it takes. And, and I just wanna say again, we appreciate you for doing what you do. And on behalf of Thought Session and my team, Thank you for spending a couple of minutes. Let us know, where, where can we find your podcast? Thank you again for letting me come on and share my story and the story of, you know, a lot of Nigerians. So my podcast can be found pretty much on any podcast player. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public. I hear that there are more. So yeah, so anywhere you love to listen to podcasts, just go ahead. Um, if you would like to join, if anyone would like to join our virtual open mic sessions, just follow us on Instagram at The Spoken World. You will see a couple of <laughs> excited poets sending their confirmation videos to come on the show. So you can check those out as well. I love it. I love it. Thank you again for spending time with us and keep it up. All right. Don't stop. Thank you. I won't.
Thought Thought Session. Session. Thought Session. Thought Session. Thought Session. Thought Session. Thought Session.